Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, did you have a good uh, Thanksgiving other than uh, what was the Oklahoma State-West Virginia game? Uh, I had a great Thanksgiving, which was on Thursday. There was football all day, NFL football, a little World Cup action on. My Dallas Cowboys won handily over the New York Giants. They got the backdoor cover, but who cares? I didn't have money on it. Um, Yeah, it was a a great Thanksgiving. And then Saturday at 11 a.m. happened. The best thing that happened to me Saturday, Carson, was that that game was at 11 a.m. And I could just be done with it and on with my day by mid-afternoon because I would have hated to have waited around until the evening to watch that. Then your night's ruined, and then it's almost time for bed. It's just, yeah. I, I was glad that it was 11 a.m. and we could just get it out of the way early uh, and went on to have a very nice Saturday. Well, it didn't kill my vibe because I, I went to Scottsdale on a, on a golf trip just kind of randomly. Uh, my family wasn't doing much for Thanksgiving and uh, decided to take an impromptu golf trip out to Scottsdale. And I, I, <laughs> I walked into the clubhouse and saw the first thing I see on the TV is Spencer Sanders in his giant hood, uh, those those giant winter jackets just getting rained on and looking miserable. And I was like, yep, I think I picked a good time to go to Arizona and not, and not uh, just watch four hours of this nonsense. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the OSU-West Virginia game very briefly because I think there's much more pressing issues when it comes to Oklahoma State football. Still battling a bit of a cold if my voice sounds different to you guys, so I apologize for that, but uh, first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate them sponsoring the podcast the whole season. And what a season it was, Colby. They uh, The hits just keep coming. You know, five straight games now that Oklahoma State has failed to score 20 points. First time that's ever happened under Mike Gundy. Uh, we don't have to talk a lot about the game and, and everything that happened, Colby, but just what was kind of your, your general impressions? Of course, Spencer Sanders decides not to play uh strange situation still unfolding there uh conditions certainly played a factor colby but just we're, we're kind of some of your takeaways from the game yeah i i don't know what the deal was with spencer it's it's pure speculation um it does seem like we've seen him play for the last time it, it's sad um you know it, it's his time is tough to really put a finger on and to define um, you know, was he great? Was he, was he awful? Um, the answer is yes to both at times. Um, but I, I will fondly remember him for the way he went out and competed, uh, every given Saturday, the conditions were awful Saturday, Carson, you were in Scottsdale. Um, it was 40 degrees, uh, first half light rain, second half, just absolutely pouring buckets the entire second half. Uh, seems like a perfect time for your top three running backs to combine for 32 carries while your quarterback, true freshman, making a second career start, airs it out 42 times. That makes a ton of sense, Carson, if you don't think about it. Uh, and that's that's kind of where I wanted to start is just, and you know, look, that we're going to get into Casey Dunn's future, Mike Gundy's uh, future at, at Oklahoma State. And I, I think that's where I begin and end. And it's it's just the OSU's season has come to a screeching halt because of their offense. And 
their lack of feel for anything offensively. So you're starting Garrett Rangel. He airs it out 42 times. You have Ollie Gordon becoming the player that I've been trying to tell people about since the spring, since since fall camp, really. And West Virginia gets it. <laughs> Their quarterback throws it 14 times. Now he is much more of a mobile you know, run threat than, than Garrett Rangel is, even though Rangel can run a little bit. But just failing to have any feel for a game plan, for the way a game is playing out, it is pretty much the ultimate exclamation point to what has been a complete fail by Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy. And, I, and I'm going to pair them together this entire podcast because they're they're one and the same. And Casey Dunn might end up being the fall guy, but let, let, let's make no mistake. Mike Gundy has his hands all over this offense and always will based on whoever he hires. Uh, and just to me, Colby, Ollie Gordon immediately after this just one performance vaults into the category of the Tyreek All-Stars that I have such a problem with under Mike Gundy. You know, I'm sitting there watching Jelani Woods turn into a freaking superstar in the NFL. Tyreek Hill's the best player in the NFL and a first ballot Hall of Famer. And the failure of Mike Gundy to put his best players, not only just get the ball to his best players, but to even put them on the field is a massive issue. And it's one that just continues season after season after season. Tyron Johnson still playing in the NFL could barely get on the field at Oklahoma State. The list just goes on and on. But for this game in particular, Colby, you have Ollie Gordon running for eight yards per carry, 136 yards, and it's not like he had a 60-yard run in there to get to that number of eight yards per carry. His longest run was 24. And it's just, it's it's so bad. Heads have to roll. Mike Gundy has to make changes to his staff because, let's face it, Colby, this, their offense is terrible. And if you take a step back, Colby, it's been bad for years. It's been bad since Mason Rudolph, and that was in 2017. That's the last time that they were the quote-unquote Mike Gundy prolific offense as far as a national brand offensively. So this isn't just a West Virginia thing. This isn't just a Casey Dunn thing. It's a Mike Gundy thing, and it starts with him not getting the football to his best players or even getting them on the damn field. Yeah, Carson, I mean, it's obvious. College offenses have evolved. Oklahoma State's has not. Oklahoma State is still running the same offense that was very effective five, seven, nine, ten years ago. It's not anymore. Defenses have adjusted. They understand how to defend. Things are changing more rapidly in college football than we've probably seen them at any time in our lives with college, uh, with, the, with the NIL, with the transfer portal, with these just new schemes, new offenses, new younger coaches trying to do things more creatively and differently than they've ever been done on the offensive side of the ball. And we're seeing this happen at schools all across the country. And Oklahoma State just doesn't feel like one of them. And I just don't understand some of the decision-making taking place on that side of the ball. I, I don't know if it's a Mike Gundy thing, a Casey Dunn thing, or both. I mean, Casey Dunn is the offensive coordinator. Obviously, your head coach has a contract that makes him unfireable, and we will get to that at some point. Uh, Casey Dunn will probably end up losing his job this offseason. I've said last week, and I'll say it again, I think that that is probably the right move for Oklahoma State football because I don't know whose idea it was to come into a game that is going to be played in a driving rain and drop your true freshman back and let him air it out 42 times. His QBR was 8.7, Carson, because it was 
terrible conditions to throw a football. And I thought that there was one drive that was really emblematic of the problems with the coaching of this offense. And it was the second to last offensive drive for Oklahoma State when they are just running the ball down West Virginia's throat and they get to about the WVU 40, roughly in that area. And on first and 10, I mean, Ollie Gordon is just chewing up yards on the ground. And on first and 10, with like five minutes left in the game, they decide to drop Rangel back. He scrambles, throws it out of bounds. It's pouring down rain. Nobody can do anything. And you know what they did? They set themselves up for a holding call. They get backed up to first and 20. And at first and 20, you know you're cooked. You know you're cooked at first and 20. And they were. They weren't able to pick it up. Uh, ended up getting it back one more time. Couldn't do anything because again, it's driving rain. You you can't you you can't throw the ball in that situation. I just there is so much about what has happened offensively this season, and it's not just when Spencer has been out. It's the fourth quarter of the TCU game. I mean, what are you doing there? I I just there have been some seriously mind blowing decisions made by the Oklahoma State offense. And Carson, this Oklahoma State offense. It's it's like a parody of the previous offenses. It's like an SNL skit. This offense is a caricature of what Oklahoma State offense used to be and should be. And that cannot be accepted uh, at a university that has been this caliber for the last 10 to 15 years. And, you know, we can preface this by saying that, that Mike Gundy is the one who built it up to this situation. But I also think that that raises the expectations. Carson, you're not a first-year head coach trying to put a roster together. He's been there two decades as the head man. I mean, at this point, seasons like this where you can't score 20 points for, for more than a month? I mean, we've got more than a month, can't score more than 20 points. How does that happen, Carson? The expectations have to be higher after two decades with the same head coach. And, and to see what took place this season, going from a top 10 team and, and gutting out that win against Texas to 7-5, and five, and you just feel like, I mean, hope is is borderline lost. It's It's very disappointing. It's very disheartening. Uh, it's not the way that I saw this season going. And, um, you know, there are some tough questions to be answered. Mike Gundy didn't really seem to have much interest in answering them Saturday night. Uh, I guess we'll hear him talk probably before the bowl game again. But, yeah, Carson, I'm, I'm really shocked at what took place with this offense uh, for Oklahoma State over the latter half of the season. When they were just kicking the crap out of TCU in the first half, I mean, you and I were – you know, going irate about the national perception of Oklahoma State because we're watching the games and they look the part. That was not a mirage. That was not us with our orange-colored glasses. That was not us evaluating a team that hadn't played anybody yet. They were taking it to TCU, who's now undefeated. I mean, TCU had no answers in the first half. And to, to see where they are now, Mike Gunny's had a lot of great coaching performances in his career, obviously. 2015 comes to mind. How he got that roster to, to 10 and 0 r- remains by far, I think, one of his best coaching jobs. The year that in 09, where Hubert Anyum had to be the leading receiver because Des Bryant got screwed over by the NCAA and all the injuries they had that year come to mind. This is by far his worst coaching job of his career, bar none. And I, I, I will f- continue to focus on and what was the biggest issue this year? It was running the football. The offensive line, we know all those things. I feel like Gundy is using all these injuries as a crutch for his poor coaching. Just listen to this answer about Ollie Gordon after the game from Mike Gundy. Uh, On Ollie Gordon, quote, well, he had a lot of carries, right? So Dom Richardson wasn't available, and then Jaden Nixon went out. So Ollie and Jackson uh, reps go up. He ends up with 17 carries. So he got a chance to roll it. He got a chance to roll into it pretty good. 
hopefully it's a buildup. Uh, Mike, you basically just admitted that the only reason the best running back on your team by far in Ollie Gordon got 17 carries was there was a plethora of injuries. And that's where I am with Mike. He, he has constantly failed to recognize who his best players are. I'm sure he would sit there and tell me behind closed doors, Carson, you don't look, you're out of practice. Ollie Gordon pops off. I can't play him. He, he mouths off to me. I can't play him. Tyron Johnson mouths off to me. He likes to, he likes to give guys who have paid their dues uh, the reps. And, a, and part of me respects that. But he's doing his football team and his program and the fans a disservice when we, we can all see who the better players are. I mean, how in the world do you not get Ollie Gordon involved this year when you can't run the football lick? How Explain that to me. And you watch this game against West Virginia, who has a good front, who has not let teams run the ball very well this year. How do, that to me is coaching, and that is a failure of coaching. And so Mike can sit up there and talk about injuries all he wants, but it's been a constant theme under him that he doesn't play his best players, whether that's because of seniority, I don't know. But why this season failed and why they haven't scored 20 points in five straight games because they can't run the football. Well, you know what makes a difference in running the football when your offensive line can't block anybody? Freaking Ollie Gordon. I mean, my God. I mean, how it's it's unbelievable to me, Colby, that Mike Gundy, who knows football, can let this kid sit on the bench all season. And, and I won't blame Ollie Gordon if he transfers. We'll get to the Spencer Sanders situation. Spencer being out some of these games has made a huge difference, no question. But again, Brennan Presley gets going early in the game, never to be seen from again. The failures come down to not getting the football to your best players, and, and that's why this season has been a complete and total bust. No, you're absolutely right. And I, I don't want to um, act like this was just a problem with Oklahoma State's offense late in the season when, whenever you're dealing with injuries and Spencer and stuff. Carson, they played Arizona State in week two. Oklahoma State went into the fourth quarter with 20 points against Arizona State. That's a terrible, terrible college football team. Probably one of the 10 worst in the country, Arizona State. I'm pretty sure – I didn't even watch the end of it. Pretty sure they ended up getting run by Arizona this past uh, Thanksgiving or Black Friday, whatever day uh, that game was. It's weird watching the Arizona schools play while the sun's up. But, Carson, the offense has been a problem, and I just – I don't see any justification for running it back the way it was. Um, I think it has to be sweeping changes on the offensive side of the ball. I think you have to bring in a, a young creative play caller and turn the offense over to somebody. I, I really believe that to get this offense back to where it was in its glory days, it is going to have to be turned over to an offensive coordinator who you let just run his offense. The problem, Carson, I don't know if Mike Gundy is willing to do that. And it's Mike Gundy has the ultimate let, let's let's turn big picture here. I'm talking tired of talking about the West Virginia game. Yeah, it's the difference between eight and four and seven and five. But I want to talk about the, the situation now for Oklahoma State football moving forward. Mike Gundy is on this ridiculous contract that's perpetually five years, and he can never be fired because the buyout's too high, and he's just he, he's just comfortable and nothing can go wrong. I, I don't know, Carson, if Mike Gundy is willing to bring in a, a young, hungry, creative offensive coordinator and just hand over the keys to that guy. And I think that that is the real path for this offense getting back to what it was because – 
man, there are some good young coordinators out there who are creative with the play calling, who really make life miserable for defenses. And with some of the talent that Oklahoma State has, whether it's the guys on campus now who hopefully stick around, Ollie Gordon, Stephon Johnson, Bryson Green, Brennan Presley, hopefully Braylon Presley at some point, some other guys, I'm sure Jaden Bray, uh, you know, you've got talent at the skill positions. You've got Garrett Rangel, you've got Zane Flores, player of the year in Nebraska coming in. You, you've got some things to look forward to, but how are those pieces going to be utilized? I, I think if the staff stays the same and the system stays the same, I think that they will be utilized poorly and you will put pressure on Derek Mason to replicate the year that Jim Knowles had a year ago if you're going to have a special team, and that shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't have to have a top five offense in the country or a top five defense in the country to win games. Both of those units should just be able to, to be good. And at Oklahoma State, in the Big 12, maybe your defense is, is top 40 nationally, but your offense is top 10. You win a lot of games in that realm. You don't win a lot of games when you just flat out can't score, and there was nothing, there is nothing, Carson, that will lose your fans faster than not being able to score because that's boring football, that's bad football, and nobody wants to feel like they are Iowa. Nobody. That is a quick way to lose your fan base. I'm telling you, he's got to bring in a new OC and hand over the keys, and I don't know if he's willing to do it. It's an excellent point, and to your point, when is the most successful offense come at Oklahoma State? It's come when Mike Gundy had to fire himself in 2009 as the OC, very similar ending to the season, couldn't score any points. He brings in one of the top offensive coordinators in the country. Everybody knew it. Dana Holgerson was a big name. He, he went into Stillwater and lit OSU up. Whether that was Mike's call or or Mike Holders and Boone Pickens, I don't know. And I'm, I'm curious to see how the administration handles Mike Gundy moving forward this year. But he hires Holgerson. He's one and done, gets a head coaching job at West Virginia. Totally understandable. Brings in Todd Munkin, who he has he's had a history with. But we all know Todd Munkin ain't going to let Mike tell him to run off tackle. Like, to hell with that. Todd Munkin <laughs> isn't taking crap off anybody. And especially Mike Gundy, who he was more of a peer than – a boss to to pupil type situation. They'd come up together a long time. Innovative offense. The, the job that Todd Munkin did does not get enough credit when he was playing three quarterbacks, when he had to play Walsh, when he had to play uh, Chelf. It was musical chairs there uh, during his years. And then he brings in Mike Yersich, another completely fr fresh ideas. Because I think Mike recognized they were getting a little stale. They were trying to keep continue to run the Dana Holgerson offense. Mike Yurcich struggled early. I don't want to hear any excuses about offensive line play for Casey Dunn. Mike Yurcich inherited a worse offensive line and a worse running game, frankly. And he made it work and ended up having a top five offense in the country. And so the, the, the staff right now, Colby, is stale. It was when he hired Yurcich. They, to your point, they need fresh ideas. This is a stale, stale coaching staff offensively. There are no new ideas. There are no new concepts. It is, well, we're just going to run what we've run. Well, you see the results. It's very similar to the situation at Clemson. Their staff now, every single person on that staff on their offensive side has basically just been a coach at Clemson or in high school or they coached under Tony Elliott, who was not a very good offensive coordinator, who left to go to be the head coach of Virginia. Stale, stale offense. And you're right, Colby. I don't know if Mike's going to do it, but this offensive staff is completely void of new ideas, new concepts. It's stale. 
it stinks, it's rotting in the fridge, and it's time to throw it away. And I, I don't know, Colby. Uh, do you think do you think Mike Gundy will make a move and get rid of Casey Dunn? If you had to I, guess, I, I really don't know at this point. I, if you really made me answer it, I'm going to say yes because as comfortable as Mike Gundy is, as much as he likes to say that he just doesn't give a damn what anybody outside the program is saying, I think even he knows that there will be a lack of enthusiasm throughout the fan base if they just decide to run it back offensively. I think if they just decide to run it back with no changes whatsoever, I think the fans will make their opinion of that choice known via attendance next year. I don't think that it is just a given that Oklahoma State fans will continue to pack Boone Pickens Stadium and create great college atmospheres like the one we saw this year uh, for, for the game against Texas. That stuff can't be taken for granted because if you're going to do what you did the last five weeks of the season offensively and then tell your fan base, hey, everything's fine, let's do it again next year. I I think that you will see a dip in attendance from Oklahoma State. Uh, I think right now the fan base is very frustrated despite being loyal and true. I think people are loyal and true, but, you know, loyal and true, you can still get frustrated. And people are frustrated right now because the bar was set higher than this the expectations for Oklahoma football, you know, Mike Gundy says, you know, I'm not frustrated because I can at least tell that every Saturday when those guys go out there, they're competing hard. That's what he said in his press conference Saturday after the game. I'm not frustrated because I know that my guys are competing as hard as they Pardon me, got muted there. Coach, uh, I hate to break it to you, but your fans w- would like to see the l- same level of care and effort from the coaching staff. And it just feels like it's, and this is prob- this might even be an unfair evaluation. I'm not there throughout the week, but it just very much feels like, oh, shucks, we had some injuries. We'll try again next year. And I'm sorry, you've got to coach around those injuries because, yes, the injuries existed, and then the coaching exaggerated it. Injuries doesn't dip you down to five straight weeks with 20 or fewer points. Carson, we're not even factoring in the, the, the fact that your schedule in conference play was front-loaded. Baylor, TCU, Texas, Kansas State – all earlier on in the schedule. After that Kansas State game, you've got Kansas, you've got OU, you've got West Virginia. I I mean, those are the the worst teams in the conference. Those are the worst teams in the conference. You lose all of them. You lose all three of them. The only team you beat is Iowa State, and that's just because they're so inept offensively that they weren't able to make you pay for whatever the weird situation was that happened that day with Spencer Sanders. This has been – a, a historically bad failure for Mike Gundy, I, I do think, and I hope that this will go down uh, as his worst coaching performance of his career. It's it, it's tough living in it right now in this moment. And Carson, this is after we've had four days to process it all. If we would have recorded on Sunday, it, we probably would be even more uh, outraged because time does heal all wounds a little bit. It, it just it has gone very very poorly. If you ask me today, yes or no. Does he make a move and replace Casey Dunn? I would say the answer is yes, uh, but I'm not 100% sure because he he really seems intent on just blaming injuries and leaving it there. And I'm sorry, but I'm not buy, buying that. Uh, and I don't think a ton of the fan base is either. No, they're not. Loyal and true has turned into loyal and boo. You heard the boo birds on Saturday. I mean, people are, people were tired of Mike Gundy shrugging his shoulders and punting. They're tired of him saying, well, yeah, we had a lot of injuries, but hey, they're playing hard. Like people were people are tired of this. And I think there's gonna be a lot of pressure on Mike to make changes. His approval rating is probably as low as it's been since the OAN debacle. And people are tired of him 
tucking his tail when he sees that OU logo too. That's bef- and that's before we get to the, what you mentioned, the, the front-loaded schedule. There is zero excuse. They had, they had Spencer Sanders. There is zero excuse to lose 48 to nothing to Kansas State. That is a joke. That is embarrassing. It should never happen. And the Boo Birds were out. And Mike Gundy in his press conference, Colby, has the nerve to mock the fans and say, well, yeah, they, they wanted me to punt or they wanted me to go for it. So I said, hey, I'll go for it. You know, he, he, he's making a joke of it all. And, and he doesn't care what the fans think. I mean, I'm sure he was trying to be cute and funny, which he tries to do to deflect the fact that he's coached. He couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag this year. He's had a terrible job coaching. But uh, let's let's get back to so the fans are frustrated, and if I had to pick Colby, if I had to guess, I would say he keeps done and gets rid of Charlie Dickey. And this is where this is really where Mike Gundy has failed as a head coach for a long period of time is the offensive line hires he's made. And look, Joe Wickline, we, we all remember how great he was. He hasn't done much since leaving. So I, for all the people that think, oh, they just need to hire Joe Wickline back and everything will be okay. No, no, no. Like his, his days are, are are long and gone as being a, a primetime offensive line coach. But Colby, Wickline left after the 2013 season. Bob Connolly in 2014. Greg Adkins from 15 to 16. Josh Henson, who was recruiting the lights out, 17 to 18, now at USC. Charlie Dickey, 2019. For some reason, Mike Gunny has had a big problem with his offensive line coaches. I've heard that's why Henson left. They didn't see eye to eye. He was killing it in recruiting. Whether that would have produced the same results of a Wick line, we'll never know. Uh, Wick line left, I know for a fact. I talked to offensive linemen on the team at the time. There was a big ego trip there between Mike Gundy and Joe Wickline, and they couldn't see eye to eye. Boom, gone. Hires Conley, one and done, horrible offensive line coach. Atkins didn't know much about him. And here we are with Dickey. Everyone likes the guy. He's he's a super likable guy, had a a lot of success at Kansas State. But when Oklahoma State was playing big-time offense, they had a big-time offensive line. And for whatever reason – Mike Gundy has not been able to either coexist with his offensive line coaches or has hired bad ones. And I think that's the first step to getting this offense back to respectability, Cole, because if you can't block anybody, <laughs> you're going to be limited offensively. And, and part of me can see that from Dunn before we get to his his play calling and, and lack of feel and, and the art of play calling that he does not have. But this is not a 2022 issue, Colby. This is dating back to 2013. He has not figured out the offensive line. So if I had to predict Dunn stays and Mike Gundy just tries to say, well, he's been a loyal coach, he's recruited a bunch of talent, blah, 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 we're going to start up front. That That's what I predict, but I'm hopeful that he gets rid of both because I'm totally with you. They need fresh ideas, fresh concepts, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I just think it's reset time for the offense. I, I don't think that it is run it back time. I think it's reset time. Uh, you have to do something different. You can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. You will get similar results. Even last year, the magical season. The magical season was because of Jim Knowles and Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper and Colby Harvell Peel and all those guys. Yes, Spencer and Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy, whatever. they had a role in second half against OU and against Notre Dame. It, it was a 14-game season. Y- yes, they there were two games that really stood out offensively. I don't know. I'd have to go back to look to see if there were more. But this has been a longer process, uh, and it needs to be a complete reset. I, I don't think that 
getting rid of either Dunn or Dickey is the play. I, I think you get rid of them both and you make changes there. And and Carson, I'll say this um, because I, I do want to talk more about Mike Gundy, this contract that he is on, and the fact that it just seems like no matter what happens, success or failure, change at head coach is not an option for Oklahoma State. Um, whenever it is at so many other places, I, I don't see how you can justify him still being on the forever contract that just perpetually um, rolls over. I, I, Yes, you are partially judged on your salary whenever you get to this level. You start making $7.5 million a year, yeah, you're, you're going to be judged more sharply than if you were making $2 million a year. You've been in a place for two decades. You're going to be judged more sharply than if you've been there a year. Guess what? Mike Gundy being judged more harshly than Brent Venables. You want to know why? Both had disastrous seasons. Brent just got here. Let's give him a little bit of time, see if he can make it work. Gundy's been here two decades. The, the contract doesn't make sense. Um, I mean, everything's gone so wrong for Oklahoma State football. Your head coach seems indifferent to it, and getting rid of him isn't even an option if you wanted to. I'm not implying that after one bad year he should be fired. I don't think he should. I think that he has earned the right to try to pull them out of this. All I'm saying is that if he was on a five-year deal and then he had this bad of a year, now it should be a four-year deal. And this should be three, and this should be two. And and you should just figure out whether he is the guy to bring this program back and make them a legitimate power of the new Big 12 Conference. Because, Carson, we've talked about it time and time again, as the landscape of college football changes, this is Oklahoma State's moment to pounce and to become the big fish in the small pond, and as the playoff expands, consistently be in conversation to get there. And you need to figure out if Mike Gundy is the guy to, to get you at that level and to keep you there. If he's not, you need to at least have the option to make a change. So uh, part of this is probably overreaction on the heels of the 7-5 and five season, but part of it is, man, what are we doing with this weird contract that nobody else is on that doesn't even give you options? Uh, it makes much, much less sense watching what the offense has done the past several years and then seeing it all come undone this year, man, it just makes you look at that stuff and really shake your head. Well, it's a, it's a demotivating contract. I mean, where's the incentive for Mike to have hard conversations with his staff and make firings? Where's the incentive to have hard conversations with Dr. Shrum and Chad Weiberg? I don't see them. And, and, here's, and, I, and I'm in favor of Mike being paid as a top 10 coach. But here, here's where it it really bit them in the you know what. I talked to somebody that that knows Jim Knowles very well. Jim Knowles wanted to stay. He basically said, if they offer me, I can't remember the exact figure. It might have been two million. Uh, I think that was the number I was told. I, I, I'd have to go back and read the stories about the updates and all that. But what I was told is he wanted to stay, and he was willing to stay at Oklahoma State if the money was right. And they they simply couldn't match what, what Ohio State was offering. And that was that. <laughs> and you're paying Mike $7.5 million. And for what? I mean, a, a, a head coach that's going to punt on fourth and two against Oklahoma? I I would like to see them get rid of that rolling over deal. I, put, I think he put them on notice immediately. You got a five-year deal, and if you keep winning, we'll, we'll extend you and do, the, do contracts the way every other school does it. And man, wouldn't it have been nice to have that extra 800 grand or 500 grand, whatever it was, to, to pay Jim Knowles and have him on the staff right now? I mean, to me, it's 
it's become so lopsided. It's almost become too lopsided, Colby, with the, what the head coach makes versus the rest of the staff. And it didn't used to be that way. But I am in favor of Mike being a top. He's earned the salary he earns. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's kind of like a, a Tim Duncan situation for me if I'm Mike Gundy. Uh, you know, don't you you take a little less to get better teammates, better supporting cast? And to me, it shows me, Colby, that he doesn't care. And, and maybe that's just me being naive. No head coach takes less. I, I get that. Mike did when he had to with the OAN situation. But I heard that a while back, Colby, and I wasn't going to bring it up until the end of the season. But they could have kept Jim Knowles if the money was right. And and that, to me, is a fail by the administration and Mike Gundy himself. Yeah, it is. I mean, you can't let that guy go over – what essentially would be, I, I don't know, the money difference was probably 10% of Mike Gundy's annual salary was probably the financial difference that you needed to come up with to keep the best defensive coordinator in school history. You couldn't make it happen. I, I mean, that is um, a, an indictment on, on Oklahoma one, State. 1.9 1. 1. 9 is his salary at Ohio State. I think if they made it two, he stays. Yeah, and, and what, what did Oklahoma State offer? One and a quarter, I think? Yeah, something like that. Um, so probably about seven hundred thousand dollars off. So that's about nine ten percent of Mike Gundy's annual salary. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's right there. It's in the cards. It just yeah, that's how close. That's how thin the margins are too. It is, Carson. If if I told you today, today, Oklahoma State fan base, let's take a vote. Now, obviously, people are a little upset today, so maybe I'm manipulating uh-huh. the system. But if you voted today. Would you rather have a new head coach, young, coming from a, a group of five school, coming in, trying to make a name for himself, making $3 million a year, and the other four and a half that Mike Gundy was making goes to coordinators and recruiting budget, or you would rather have Mike Gundy at the helm and run it back with the current coordinators you have, I think the Oklahoma State fan base would choose in a landslide to spend money differently on the staff. Now, that's not the reality. We're playing a hypothetical game. I, I'm just playing it to to illustrate the frustration that the fan base has with just the continued same old, same old without more results. Carson, it cannot just be a Fiesta Bowl every decade. You, it, it's not good enough. I'm sorry. It is not good enough. And, and if somebody wants to sit there and say, well, you're too young to remember 10 and 1 and all this stuff, and you should be grateful for the program that you have, you, you know, I get that. It was bad at one point, but it's been good for a long time. And just popping up to, to be great once every 10 years, that doesn't work. It's not often enough. It's not good enough for, for the resources that T. Boone Pickens threw into this program, some of the new resources that they're putting in, 55 more uh, million in the stadium that apparently is starting immediately, um, you know, it's not good enough to just pop up and win a Fiesta Bowl every decade. And when the Big 12 shifts and Oklahoma State needs to become a power in the new Big 12 and get themselves in that 12-team playoff conversation year in and year out, make it once every three, four years, that's got to be the standard. It, it can't just be popping for a Fiesta Bowl every 10 years. Um, Carson, I, I'm I'm frustrated. I think people hear it and, and, and how I'm saying it and what I'm saying, I just – the Gundy era feels very stale. And right now, my confidence level, um, it, it is as low as it has been in a long time in the head coach at Oklahoma State. Again, I think that he deserves the right. I think he's earned the right to try to pull them out of this hole. But if you ask me today, I, I had to bet everything on it, my life savings on it. Does Mike Gundy get this program 
in the next three to four years to the level that we all think it should be in, I would probably put my money on no. Uh, I hope he proves me wrong. He's certainly done done so in the past. I hope he proves me wrong because sitting here today, my confidence level is very low, Carson and Mike Gundy. Yeah, and it should be. And uh, before I get to you know the future with with Mike Gundy, like the Spencer Sanders situation looming, we did have some breaking news today. Uh, Scott Wright with a great report from the Oklahoman that uh, Derek Mason's contract was not signed until a few weeks ago. Uh, he signed the contract November 10th, more than nine months after he was hired. It was initially reported as a two-year contract uh, last January. The deal is actually just one year. Uh, it was always intended to be a one-year contract, according to the Oklahoman, based on the desire of both Mason and OSU officials at the time of his hiring. So, basically, Colby, OSU has moved toward giving assistance multi-year deals. Casey Dunn is in the first year of a three-year contract. Uh, Mason's predecessor, Jim Knowles, was offered a five-year contract. Uh, so, seemingly, all of a sudden, Colby, Derek Mason's status as a defensive coordinator is he's basically not employed unless they sign him into a new contract, which is stunning. Uh, I certainly get it. I always kind of viewed Mason as a stopgap. He he certainly wants to get a head coaching job. His He coached with David Shaw out of Stanford for a very long time. He would certainly be a natural candidate for that head coaching position. Uh, so this is kind of a, a bit of a stunner, Colby, because there could be changes on the defensive side as well. Yeah, it is. It, it was very shocking to see that report, and great job uh, by Scott Wright, who always does a good job covering Oklahoma State and uh, high school football and some of the different things that he does. Uh, but, yeah, it would be very odd to watch this season play out the way it did with the offense in the shape that it's in, and Derek Mason ends up being the guy who doesn't come back. And, and it's maybe it's less of a letting him go thing than just a – I don't know. It's, it kind of seems like he's a free agent at this point, and he has to decide if he wants to continue to be a part of Oklahoma State football. Do you think Derek Mason had fun this year? Do you think it was a fun coaching job? Because it didn't seem like much fun to be a part of throughout the season. He didn't have much fun under Brian Harson at Auburn. Maybe Derek Mason is just still searching for that program where he can go and say, you know what? I'm enjoying my work life. I want to show up to work every day because this is fun. We're having fun on Saturdays. I, I don't know. I don't know what Derek Mason's going to do. I don't know what Oklahoma State's going to do with Derek Mason. I just know that if he's the guy who ends up not coming back, um, it would be very odd. Very odd, but honestly kind of on par for where we're at with Oklahoma State football, uh, the uncertainty. Uh, I mean, Xavier Benson tweets out after within an hour of the game ending on Saturday, so much uncertainty. It's like it's kind of how we all feel. I, I don't know what this thing looks like September 1st of 2023. I, I just know it has to look different, and Mason certainly isn't the guy uh, that I was expecting to not hold his position next year. So – I guess we're just kind of in a holding pattern now on that. We just wait and see. Yep, we, we certainly will. Uh, let's get to Spencer Sanders. Uh, just a strange end to his career, and I I think him walking at senior day tells you that he's played his last game at Oklahoma State. Uh, it's bizarre to me, Colby, to where you know, and I don't want I don't want to read too much into the the sideline shot of him at Bedlam yelling at an assistant coach, but when you throw the ball. 60 plus times, run it, run it another 17 in Bedlam, and then and then and then can't play. I to me that tells me there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. And didn't play in Iowa State, came back in the game. To me, I guess he he was hurt and he wanted to give it a shot in Bedlam. But I gotta think there was some major, major disagreements going on behind the scenes, and that he's played his last game at OSU and 
And, you know, I was talking to my dad last night about Spencer and, you know, it seems almost obvious now that he needs to transfer to elevate. My dad was very down on his draft stock. I've always been a little higher on it than most people, just the way the NFL's moved with mobile quarterbacks and and things of that nature. His production when he's been healthy. But my dad made a good point that, you know, he, he kind of needs to tra- hit the transfer portal and, and play more to elevate his stock. And, and what what more could do that than going to a program that has an actual offensive line, uh, has a play caller that has a feel for the game and, and situation, and plays for a coach that doesn't want to punt it on fourth and one in a rivalry game. Um, I, I wouldn't blame him at all. He's had a he's had a good career, a frustrating one, but uh, I won't blame Spencer Sanders one iota if he hits the portal. Yeah, it was almost the ending of his career is almost poetic for what his career was at Oklahoma State. It was odd, right? I mean, you've got this super talented guy, same coordinator pretty much the entire time that he's the starter. I mean, Dunn's been calling the plays for a few years, so you've got some continuity there. Offensive lines have been poor, but a lot of skill position players. And at times, he's been 10 of 10 great, A+. plus. I mean, wow, love this guy. And at times, it's been like, now, Spencer, what exactly were you seeing and or thinking there? And there's been just a lot of confusion around, A, why isn't he better? B, how is he so good? It's just been – he's been a, 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 a maddening player to evaluate at Oklahoma State because I've been a Spencer defender pretty much his entire time here because, you know, <clears throat> he, he needed to take care of the ball better throughout his career, but I thought he did a lot of things that really elevated Oklahoma State, and I thought he covered up a lot of other warts that this offense had. I also, Carson, I, I mean, by my view – this has been the worst offensive staff maybe in Mike Gundy's tenure as the head coach at Oklahoma State. And Spencer Sanders at times I still think elevated it above the level where maybe it belonged, as we've seen um, with, you, you know, just the games this year when he was out, the games in previous years that he's been out when Illingworth came in. Um, I, I wish Spencer Sanders nothing but the best. It's an odd ending to his career. I think that there were things going on behind the scenes. I, I really think, Carson, if you really made me pin it down – I think he wanted to go to the NFL after this year. And I think he wanted to put a great season on tape so that he was a guy who could get drafted because NFL teams, when they draft a quarterback, be it fourth, fifth, sixth round, they're going to give that guy every opportunity not to make the roster. Because you draft a quarterback, you really want that guy to pan out. You take a guy as an undrafted free agent, it's like, well, that guy's probably bouncing around practice squads for a long time uh, unless he just absolutely flashes and shows somebody something. He wanted to get drafted, and he wanted Oklahoma State to be the place that propelled him to, to that. I truly believe that. Oklahoma State wasn't that place. Oklahoma State did not improve his draft stock. He did not improve his draft stock at Oklahoma State. I think the best decision for Spencer Sanders is to transfer. I've been saying Oregon. I think Oregon is the perfect place for him. I think if he goes there, he will absolutely elevate his stock, torching bad Pac-12 defenses, uh, running an offense You know where Bo Nix was responsible for more than 40 touchdowns this year. Um, Bo Nix was terrible, terrible at Auburn. He goes to Oregon, 40-plus touchdowns he's responsible for. That That is my guess as to where I think that he winds up, assuming Bo Nix doesn't have another year that I don't know about. But, um, yeah, Carson, I, I enjoyed his time at Oklahoma State. It was exhilarating. At times it was maddening. Uh, at times it was thrilling. I just – he, he was everything hot and cold roller coaster that you would uh, ever see in a quarterback. Uh, but he laid it all on the line every Saturday. He, he's passionate. And I think that that's why a lot of the fan base has taken his side because, you know, 
when you've got the the CEO of the program standing up there eating pretzels and, and talking about salt on the beer and uh, not being frustrated after seven and five. And then you've got the star quarterback who clearly it, it eats at him that they're not winning more. Uh, you know, it hurts him that they can't move the ball better, that, that things aren't working better. I think the fan base has attached themselves to his personality and his passion. Uh, and I think that he's now taking that somewhere else. Carson, and I will continue to be a Spencer Sanders fan. Uh, if it's Oregon, if it's Penn State, if it is the NFL, whatever it is, um, wherever he goes, when I get the chance to watch him, I will be watching Spencer Sanders play football every opportunity I get. Do you remember who recruited Spencer out of high school? Out of high school. Was that Yersich? That was one Mike Yersich. Yeah. Um, who's starting quarterback is is graduating whose backup quarterback just entered the transfer portal and is left with uh, a five-star quarterback from the class of 2022 and uh, another quarterback as early enrollees in January. Um, so they're, they're not even on campus yet. That seemed like a, that seemed like a pretty good situation for Spencer. Go, go play at Penn state with, with Mike Yersich, who clearly knows what he's doing on offense. The guy that recruited him, built a relationship with him out of high school. And Oh, by the way, gets to play against those slow, lumbering, terrible football teams in the Big Ten. That would be a lot of fun to watch for me. I, I'd be, I, would, I would actually become a Penn State fan for a year. I really would. I really would. Sign me up for that, Colby. I would too. I would become a Penn State fan for a year. Um, I Again, I don't know that I prefer that situation to Oregon because uh, there are teams in the Big Ten who are just going to try to have 45 minutes time of possession and beat you 13 to 10. That's what they want to do. There's a handful of them in that conference. It's disgusting football. I don't want to watch it. Um, you all, you get much worse weather in the Big Ten. That can hurt you as a quarterback. You play in some of those uh, games like we saw Ohio State and Northwestern where it's 36 degrees and the wind's blowing 45 miles an hour. You're not going to get near as much of that in the Pac-12 if you go out there. So You don't uh, get don't to pick know, where you go. You don't you do don't I? get to pick where you, you don't get to pick where you go. Relationships matter here. You don't just say, hey, I want to go to Oregon. That sounds fun. They got cool unis, you know? Like no, you're right. You got to have right. relationships, relationships with the coaches. Matter. It's not like he can just sit down, look at the top 25 and and point to whichever school he wants to go to. Those relationships matter. Uh I I'm talking about more from what I would rather watch, what I would rather see and what I think is the dream situation. I I think it's Oregon out in the Pac-12, but I I certainly don't think Penn State is a bad landing place. Uh and yes, if if Spencer and Mike Yersich were to team up, then I would wear some navy blue at 11 a.m. on Saturdays. Uh, and I would tune in to watch them face, I, I don't know, Minnesota. I, I'd tune in to watch Penn State and Minnesota and just see what Spencer Sanders looked like in that offense. I, I would sign up for that. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like someone during this season sent me like the, the top passing seasons from each season in the Big Ten over the last 20, 25 years. You read them and, off on the show. We talked about them on the show. Yeah, and, and it was embarrassingly low. I think Spencer could go to the Big Ten and shatter some either school records or maybe even some Big Ten records. Now, do I look and do I think Spencer's a flawed player? We we all know that. We've we've discussed his career ad nauseum for five years now. But you put a, an electric quarterback like him into that league <laughs> against those slow lumbering linebackers that have to cover him in space. I mean, good night, Vienna, as Dave Hunziker would say. I mean, give me a break. So who knows what his future is going to be? But I think you agree with me, right? That he's he's played his last game at OSU. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he had the Instagram post, Life Goes On, uh, with the picture of him in his Oklahoma State uniform walking out. Um, we, we still don't have the exact reason why he played, didn't play Saturday. Maybe it was injuries, maybe it wasn't. Mike Gundy was pretty uh, pretty cryptic about it post-game. He was, he was asked if he was just unavailable, and, and Mike Gundy said, yeah, for the most part, which I – I don't know what any of that means. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, and I don't claim to. Uh, you're right. He's a flawed player, but I think there will be a school very happy to get him, uh, and I'll be very happy to root for him. Again, I just – he's got that dog in him, man, and I like watching him play. Um, again, it's a roller coaster. It's going to be maddening at times, and yet at the end of the day, you're probably going to find yourself loving Spencer Sanders. That's how I feel. I think that's how a good chunk of the fan base feels, I think, over the last – uh, two seasons, he really won over a large part of the fan base that weren't uh, riding with him those first couple of years. Uh, again, he, he's going to drive you crazy at times, but you're going to walk away saying, man, that guy can be my quarterback. So um, good luck to him. I'll, I'll be rooting for him. Yep, I will be too. Let's get to uh, bullets and BBs, Colby. Um, do we have any bullets this week? Of course we do. Carson, are you kidding me? Tanner Brown's still out here kicking field goals. He's doing it in the sun. He's doing it in the wind. He's doing it in the cold. He's doing it in the rain. Tanner Brown. Bullet. How in the world was he not a uh, Groza finalist? Uh, he played on a bad team, would be my only guess, because he missed one field goal this year. It was a 48-yarder and a 20-mile-an-hour left-to-right crosswind, and he missed it by a foot. There's a dude from Stanford nominated for the Groza. Stanford doesn't even play football anymore. I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought they shut their program down and uh, turned the football stadium into a coding center. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. He should he should definitely be a finalist. Uh, it's a joke. What were his overall numbers? I, mean, I need to see these numbers from him. I don't think I missed anything. I'm pretty sure that he only had one missed field goal on the entire of, season. 21 of, 22, 21 of 22, 40 for 40 on extra points. Uh, let me look up this other guy. Yeah, 21 of 22, 40 of 40, uh, one of one from beyond 50. The only field goal he missed, a 48-yarder in a 20-mile-an-hour left-to-right crosswind. By the way, last year, he was 17 of 21. So he was pretty good last year, too. The dude is just a great kicker. He is an NFL kicker. Um, yeah, what is he? He's a senior. So, yeah, that's a bummer. Okay. This, yeah, he, this, he's, he's been great. This Christopher Dunn of NC State went 24 of 25. That's pretty solid. Uh, Higher no percentage because he kicked more field goals, yep. Yeah. Uh, he's the program leader in field goals, scoring, all that stuff. Uh, this Joshua Cardi of Stanford went 18 for 18. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I guess just if you just don't miss one, you're he, he did lead the He did lead the country with 13 field goals from at least 40 yards out. So he, he had some didn't, long ones. Didn't he make the 61-yarder a couple weeks ago for the, the backdoor cover at the last second? I have no idea. I saw it on Twitter. I think he did. I think he made a 61-yarder as time expires for them to lose by seven, and the line was like seven and a half. And then the last one's the Michigan kicker who led the nation with 26 field goals because he plays for freaking Michigan in the Big Ten. That slow lumbering conference of that loves field goals more than anybody. So also, Carson, we have to say something. I'll go ahead and actually I'll just give them a bullet. Uh University of Michigan football, who it has taken a long time for people to become believers that they're actually the real deal. Man, they absolutely drug Ohio State in Columbus on Saturday. And I do mean drug. Um, I I have no choice. I have to give it up to Michigan. That is a very good football team. 
No, they've they've proved me wrong. I mean, I, they didn't. They had played the worst non-conference schedule in history, so yeah. I, had to, I had to see it to believe it. They played one game this year, and they won it, and they won it handily. And I think uh, it's pretty remarkable. I was I thought Jim Harbaugh was the best coach in the country with the job he did at Stanford and uh, what he first started doing, what he did in the NFL as well. And it looked like he was going to get fired at Michigan. They basically made him clean house, fires OC, fires DC, and look what that did for him, Colby. I think Mike Gundy's in a similar situation now. Does he have the talent of Michigan? Certainly not. But, yeah, got to give Jim Harbaugh a bullet as well. Uh, my main bullet, though, goes to one Jelani Woods, who so many people on Twitter, and I, I'm going to keep dancing on your graves, folks, for all you out there in Twitter in the world that said that he can't catch, that he uh, slows down the offense, he doesn't even know what he's doing, he's clumsy, runs like a baby deer. And then he goes out and has, like, one of the most freakish NFL combines ever after going to Virginia and being first-team All-ACC. He's now lighting it up in the NFL, eight of nine catches, almost 100 yards last week. And immediately, I'm 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 at the ceremony, Colby. I'm putting the bright orange jacket that Mike Boynton wears in Bedlam. That's my Hall of Fame jacket for the Tyreek All-Stars Hall of Fame. First ballot Tyreek All-Star Hall of Fame member, Jelani Woods. You should have gotten the football. They underutilized you. You knew it. You left. And this is one of my biggest issues with Mike Gundy. I, I don't have a lot. He's won a lot of football. His recruiting is lackluster. Uh, we all know that. But when he gets studs, for some reason, he doesn't play them and certainly doesn't know how to get in the football. So congratulations to you, Jelani Woods. First ballot member of the Tyreek All-Stars. No, I think that's a good one. Jelani Woods has been fantastic. Uh, we we kind of felt like you would be, Carson, and uh, you don't seem ready to to let it go anytime soon. And I don't blame you because you were riding the Jelani Woods train harder than anyone else, uh, and that train is barreling down the tracks at the moment for the for for Jeff Saturday's Indianapolis Colts. Blake Jarwin, uh, Tyree Kill, Tyron Johnson, uh, Chris Carson. In a lot of ways, I, I keep going on and on, but your 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 turn. No, you're good. Those are all good. Um, Carson BB. I have to give it to Mike Gundy. He he is the CEO of the Oklahoma State football program. His decisions, um, his mentality, the unwillingness to hire the best offensive coordinator in the country and let him run his system, even though you might lose him after a couple of years, um, he has made decisions that have led Oklahoma State to this point where, again, you have a great year. You pop and you win a Fiesta Bowl, and then you fall flat on your face because the foundation in which you built the program on is not strong enough to sustain that success. And Mike Gundy has been incredibly successful and he deserves credit for that. He also deserves the blame for not being able to sustain that success multiple years in a row to to make it to a point where this team is respected nationally. You know, we've got a logo too. And then you flop on your face and go seven and five, and you just want to stand up there and say that it's not frustrating and eat pretzels and talk about injuries. I'm sorry. Coaching is why this team went seven and five. Injuries were a factor, but they were a smaller one than coaching. I I just, we all watched it, man. It's just, and, and another thing, your fan base is not as stupid as you think they are. So maybe you should stop talking as if they are because people see what's happening. They see the mistakes that are being made by the coaching staff. Mike Gundy is the CEO. He is responsible for the hires. He is responsible for the systems, for what he allows his coaches to do. Um, he, he, to me, as the head man, has to bear the blunt of the responsibility for once again falling 
on his face after having a great season. That blame goes to Mike Gundy. Obviously, he's unfireable, but he has to make the decisions now moving forward to get this program to where it needs to be in the new look Big 12. Uh, but today, on the heels of the 7-5 and five season, the greatest head coach in school history gets a massive, massive BB. I agree. That's where mine's going. And, you know, we've talked a lot about coaching decisions, coaching staff decisions, but th this is kind of where I'm at with Mike Gundy right now in terms of his want to. And I mean that in, on the recruiting trail. And I really mean that on the recruiting of his own players. You want to listen, listen to these quotes right here, Cole, because they, they should make any OSU fan or, or parent of an OSU player irate on whether he has conversations in the coming days with players on their decision to return or not. No, I don't have those conversations. A little bit different times today. These players have conversations with their family and their representatives, and at some point they'll let us know, two, three weeks from now probably. I don't get involved in those conversations, end quote, on why he doesn't get involved in those conversations. Quote, I mean, what am I going to say? It's their future. It's their career. They have a representative. They'll have family members that'll have thoughts on what they want to do. The head coach is not really a factor in that. I mean, do, tell me you don't care about <laughs> recruiting without telling me you don't. And part of me wonders if that's true. Like, if that's if that's really true, and Mike's not just being, you know, a jerk in a press conference. I mean. What is this roster going to look like, Colby? I mean, we all saw the mass exodus on defense last year, and the, the change of defensive coordinator was certainly a part of that. But you don't care to even have a conversation with your current players or try to convince them that they should stay, and here's why. I know we had a struggle on offense, Ollie Gordon, but here's how we're, that game you had against West Virginia, we're going to utilize you as our RB1? Like, no. I, I, they'll, let, they'll let me know in two or three weeks. That quote right there, reeks of how comfortable Mike is, how uninspired he is, and how, frankly, how hard he does not want to work. We've seen that in recruiting. They're ranked in the 70s right now. And they're in a fork in the road right now, Colby. And I, I, have, a, I have real concerns about where this football program is going from a roster standpoint. If your head coach is not willing to recruit high school kids, he's not willing to recruit his current players, He's been quoted as saying he doesn't really care to recruit the portal because he thinks it's going to slow down when everyone else is saying it's going to be the craziest year ever at the portal. Uh, massive BB to Mike Gundy, and I think he's at a real crossroads because let's face it, Colby, he ain't a young coach anymore. He's a little long in the tooth these days by head coaching standards. So I think he got really motivated after nearly losing his job. I think it's time for Casey Shrum and Chad Weiberg to sit him down and be like, what is this? You, you're, you're not even talking to your players about returning when you – Everyone knows you have to talk to your kids to keep them and, and convince them they should stay. I mean, those two quotes from me, Colby, tell you all you need to know about the state of the program and the state of where Mike Gundy is with that rolling over contract and how comfortable he is. Yeah, Carson, and this goes back to what we talked a little bit about earlier. College football is evolving. Mike Gundy doesn't appear to be. In modern college football, you have to recruit your current players because if you don't, they won't be your players anymore. You have to recruit your current players. You have to be in the transfer portal trying to get big names at key positions. The transfer portal is how you upgrade quickly. The transfer portal is how you quickly turn your offensive line around. That stuff happens with these new ways of college football that Mike Gundy does, just does not seem open to. So 
uh, again, it, it appears to be a continue ev- a continuing evolution of college football uh, that Mike Gundy is just not really with. I again, it, it all sounds very negative today. It's very negative right now. The, the the hopes are low amongst the fan base because, like you said, Carson, where does the bright future appear? It's uh, again. We, we can reference the school down in Norman. Disastrous season. Historically bad. Six and six. You lose to Tech, giving up half a hundred the last game of the season. And they're still optimistic. First-year coach, they can recruit well. Boom. You can at least see something for the future. What am I seeing for the future of Oklahoma State football that really gets me excited? Uh, it, it's on Mike Gundy to make people see that again. And I don't know. He, again, after the, uh, the OAN and the, and the Chuba incident and all that stuff, I thought we saw a revitalized Mike Gundy. I really did, who, who wanted to get after it, and he looked like, okay, I, I need to be what Oklahoma State football needs right now. And then they go to the Fiesta Bowl, and it looks like he got comfortable again. I, I don't know. Again, we're on the outside looking in, but y'all are seeing the same things that we're seeing. Uh, it's been very disappointing. So uh, I'm not going to hand out a whole slew of BBs, Carson. I, I wanted just the one today, uh, and I wanted it to be for the head man because I think he owns the responsibility for, for what happened this season. Yep, I agree. I don't think we need to harp on it. Uh, I do want to give one quick little bullet to, to Ollie Gordon. Again, looked sensational, uh, covered up a lot of – inefficiencies in the offensive line and frankly yet another example of just complete utter coaching malpractice when you literally cannot run a football all season long and you've got that kid sitting over on the bench it's just it's it's unbelievable to me that that happened and I knew it would as soon as I saw his plans like yeah he's gonna he's gonna go crazy because he's he's the best running back on the team and that's that's me sitting here in Oklahoma City Talking, talking to a few people that that know some things before the season even starts, and then everyone else can see that you got, and bless his heart, Dom Richardson running into the pile, uh, nowhere to go. Uh, you look back to to Jalen Warren, the kids like <laughs> the kids like one of the best running backs in the NFL, and it took them several games to realize he was the best running back on the roster, and that's before I even get to the just myriad of horrible decisions at quarterback that have been made. And despite that, Mike's been one of the best coaches in the country. I I know I'm being very negative here, and we should be, Colby. There's no reason to apologize for that. This was a dumpster fire of a season. But shout out to Ollie Gordon. I hope he stays. But frankly, Mike Gundy's given him no reason to stay. And and that's a shame. So One more year. One more year. (laughs) Let's get to the the, – That's the new college football chant. One more year. All right, Carson, here we go. Friday night, 7 o'clock, Utah, USC. Who you got? Let's get to their uniform review real quick. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the uniforms. My apologies to the good folks at Chris's University Spirit. Go support the people who support us. You just didn't want to talk about West Virginia anymore. I know. It. I, I don't I don't blame you. But I, I'm a huge fan of the black, orange, white. I really am. Now, wearing white in a, in a monsoon could get a little, a little TV MA, mature audiences only. Uh, but, but I did like the look. Uh, yeah, I thought they looked really sharp. I, I was in on the black, orange, white. Um, would have liked to have seen it in a win. Again, it's just you throw out these great uniforms, but you lose in them, and they don't feel as good, Carson. So, um, yeah. yeah, but no, they looked good on Saturday. They and they've been do. they've been trolling you with the tricolors all year too. They have. I'm not the tricolors aren't my thing quite as much. Uh, I do love the tricolors. The black, orange, white looks pretty good. Um, I thought that it kind of felt like a gray day, and I think gray would have been much more fitting for the weather, uh, the offense, 
just kind of just about everything. I think gray would have been a more fitting uh, color scheme for that situation. You, you might not have been able to see the players. They're wearing gray. <laughs> right. Yeah. True. Oh, so wait, did, did Purdue make the Big Ten title game? It was Purdue. I, I was kind of uh, out of pocket. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's Purdue. Purdue and Michigan. Oh, my God. Purdue is playing for a Big Ten title. Purdue. Can I go to well, Purdue's schedule real quick? I don't know if Purdue's playing for a Big Ten title. They're in the conference game. They're in the championship game. But I don't know that they're actually playing for the Big Ten title. Does anything? Does anybody think Purdue can actually even compete? No. I mean, they, they, they lost 24-3 to Iowa. I guess the only chance – I'll say this. I'll say this. Michigan almost lost to Illinois two weeks ago, trap game before Ohio State – there is the possibility that there's a massive letdown after Ohio State, but Michigan playing far and away its worst game of the season is the only way it can possibly lose to the best team from the Big Ten West. That's quite amazing. So you asked me Utah-USC? Utah-USC Friday night. I actually kind of like that the Pac-12 does Friday. It's more more football watching for me. Well, I think as much as I enjoyed wagering against USC in that game, Previously, Utah. Um, USC is two and a half point favorite. Utah was kind of lucky to get out alive in that game, uh, going for two. They just couldn't stop Caleb Williams. Uh, I think you got to pick USC right now. Although my heart wants me to pick Utah, just because Colby, if if USC makes the the final four, they are going to get absolutely annihilated defensively. Now, maybe Williams can keep a minute, a la Kyler Murray did kind of the second half against Bama, but I think they're going to get absolutely destroyed. But I'll, I'll pick USC. Yeah, I I don't know if they'll get destroyed or not just because, man, I really do think they can score. I mean, that, that Baker defense was terrible at OU, and they should have beaten Georgia and probably would have beaten Alabama. And that defense True. was terrible, but they could just score. So kind of what Lincoln does. Um, I do think USC gets it done. On Friday, though, uh, Saturday morning, Big 12, K-State, TCU. Oh, I got a bad feeling about this game. It's just, wouldn't it be so Big 12 for K-State to win and just become even more of an afterthought amongst all the conferences? You know, you, you got resurgent USC potentially making the Final Four. I think TC is the better team and should win. Um, but I don't know. It just, maybe I'm just too jaded about, you know, the Big 12 just can never quite get off the mat, can't quite win a playoff game, can't quite change the perception. So I'm I'm picking TCU, but I got a bad feeling. Uh, I am not picking TCU. I'm picking Kansas State, and I'm doing so for one reason, kind of along the lines of what you were saying. If the Big 12 needs something good to happen, the exact opposite can and will happen. Uh, it's one of Newton's laws, I think. So I'll take yeah. Kansas State straight up money line because seriously, if the Big 12 needs it to go good, it's going to go the other way. Um, the other conference title games, Carson, I don't even care. LSU, Georgia, don't care. UCF, Tulane, Purdue, Michigan, Clemson, North Carolina. Do you care about any of those? They all feel completely irrelevant to me. Oh, but do you remember? Um, do you remember the Michael Bishop Kansas State team that lost to like an eight and four A and M team and Sir Parker? Long time ago, 2000. Um, vaguely. 99, I think it was. Kansas State was ranked like second in the country. They were a juggernaut. They were like, they were one of the best college football teams I've ever seen. They had one of the Lockets was there. Michael Bishop was one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen play. Could throw it like 80 yards. They lose to a very average Texas A&M team in like overtime or the final, one of the final plays. And 
that's kind of what I think of when you say anytime the Big 12 needs something positive to happen, that happens. And that's that's kind of what that reminds me of, to be honest. So maybe K-State will, you know, be on the winning side of this time, but that, that would stink for TCU. Because I, I am pulling for TCU. How do you feel about TCU? I, I didn't like Sonny Dykes' antics on the sidelines when OSU was subbing and all that, but seems like a decent enough dude. TCU, I have no quarrel with. And I, frankly, I just, I need the Big 12 to do something to, to kind of shift the narrative. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm rooting for TCU because I'm rooting for the Big 12. Uh, the narrative needs shifted nationally if they get in and face Michigan. I, I don't know. Michigan looked really good Saturday, but I like to think that TCU would be able to compete in that game, you know, get Quentin Johnson healthy and get some of those uh, serious playmakers out there. But you've got to shift the narrative in the Big 12. TCU has a chance to do that. So I'll be pulling hard for TCU uh, Saturday morning. We're going to have uh, – I'm trying to think, will there be any overlap between U.S. men's national team and Big 12 championship game, or will it be over by 11? I don't know. I think we might have a little overlap. depending. I think it's either, I can't they remember keep if it's putting nine, nine minutes – they keep putting nine minutes of extra time. They will. No doubt. I uh, yeah. I can't remember if the U.S. men's national team kicks it at nine or ten uh, our time Saturday morning. So might might have to remember. use a couple of TVs and uh, Big Twelve championship game might get isolated to a, a secondary TV for that first half. But uh, Carson, I think we pretty much covered it. Anything else? Yeah, just one last note on the, on the national perception needing changes. You got idiots like Paul Feinbaum saying on oh, national wow. television that he doesn't care to watch the Big Twelve title game, and, and then nobody cares when it's the 10th ranked team in the country against the third ranked team in the country, which I think if you average it out is the best matchup amongst the power five, you know, schools. So it's just, that's what I'm talking about. And look, we all know Feinbaum's an idiot. Shouldn't have the platform he has, but him saying that on national TV matters about your conference. It does. It absolutely matters because that Joe Blow and, you know, San Jose is like, yeah, he's right. We don't, we don't care about the big 12, do we, you know? And, and it's just, that's wrong. It's a shame. I don't know why Feinbaum has an outlet, but it's a joke. And two two really good football teams are going to play on Saturday. Uh, OSU will not, Colby. I think this was a good pod. I think we were fair. But um, now we just wait on on some big changes that, that may or may not happen at Oklahoma State. But it's, it's been a great regular season for us just on the pod, maybe not on the field. But uh, it's been good to be with you. And uh, I guess we'll catch up uh, maybe later this week or possibly next. Yeah, it's been a blast. Uh, we appreciate our, our our listeners. People have been tweeting at us. their Spotify wrapped that we were at the, at the top of their stuff. And um, we really do appreciate all the support. Tuning in on the YouTubes on Sunday. Uh, Carson, basketball team, 78 or more in three state straight games at number eight UConn tomorrow night. Now, I'm not optimistic that Oklahoma State wins that game, but I'm looking forward to watching it because I do think it is an opportunity for Mike Boynton in one night, 40 minutes, to shift the narrative. Now, is this team good enough to beat UConn on the road? I don't know. Probably not. But it is an opportunity to pull off a big upset, which would have us feeling very differently about this team as we start to shift our brains from football to basketball. A great point. I'm not ready to shift yet, but I will be watching that one because there's <laughs> there's a lot to discuss with OSU basketball and, and its future with a man named Mike as well. So that'll be a good game. We'll see. Colby, Absolutely. appreciate it. All right. Yep. Carson, good stuff. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're back uh, later in the week, maybe next week. We'll talk about uh, Mike Boynton and Oklahoma State taking on UConn and all the conference championship games this weekend. Thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, loyal and true. Go Pokes.